Please turn in your Old Testaments to Psalm 136, 1. I changed the, uh, the psalm, and you'll see why in a moment. Psalm 136, 1, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, I uh, could have stayed with our sermon series in the book of Acts, Uh, What was next was a whole passage about Jesus' power over the demonic and uh, and the casting out of demons. But I decided that uh, this being Thanksgiving week, that we might uh, look at um, the theme of thanks to God. Uh, Some of you with relatives coming uh, this week might have wanted me to stay with casting out demons. I'm not sure. But uh, Thanksgiving is the, uh, the topic And uh, a happy early Thanksgiving to you. We give thanks for all we have. And we think back on the the first Thanksgiving on these shores. We think about the pilgrims and the Indians and how God used the Indians to help them learn to plant corn and brought them through the winter. And we think of uh, them saying, basically, God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for bringing us through. Uh, Thank you for the food. Thank you for the successful harvest. Uh, Even what we have in front of us, the cornucopia, a symbol of the harvest, a symbol of the bounty, the, the, the goodness of God and sustenance. Raise the song of harvest home that God has uh, shown us favor and goodness. And you know, though all that is true, It's actually a little historically incomplete. And there are lots of angles on things in the Bible, but from the perspective of Psalm 136, it's a little bit biblically incomplete as well. You know, I think about how Thanksgiving, the soundtrack of Thanksgiving in our homes uh, sounds to God. Um, of course, I don't know if you can hear our thanks over the, the TV and the football game in the background or, uh, you know, the, the relatives or whatever's going on and hopefully a lot of laughter and, and, and connection. Um, but I'm not sure what the soundtrack of Thanksgiving in our home sounds like. Maybe it sounds something like this. Lord, if, if we thank God at all, uh, Lord, thank you for all uh, the many blessings you've given us. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our, our, the, our food, and there's usually a lot of uh, symbols of that um, blessing of, of food. Um, thank you for the many things that you have given us. And that's kind of code for thank you for our plenty or thank you for our prosperity. Nothing wrong with that. Please do that. <laughs> In fact, one of the things we often fail to do is that. So this is not a sermon to criticize, thanking God uh, for what he has done. We, we should thank God for his blessings. We should thank God for material, spiritual blessings. And very often we, we do th- take things for granted, don't we? And we, we, we forget sometimes to thank God. And so this is the the rightful subject matter of many sermons on Thanksgiving, and I myself have preached them, about God's bounty in His provision and our thanksgiving um, for that reason. And Psalm 136, 
focuses on the Lord's provision and, and God's beneficial acts in history toward Israel. And so some, the, the psalm we're looking at really does talk about God's activity, God's blessing uh, for His people. Uh, it talks about the goodness of God providing in creation. Then it moves to a whole section on how God redeemed His people out of the house of bondage in Egypt. And then it moves to a whole se- section of how God brought His people home to the promised land that He had sworn to their forefathers to give them so that they could enter their rest. In fact, uh, in the worship of Israel, this psalm was a kind of a liturgical tool, kind of a worship aid that, that always brought us back to God, the, the covenant God of creation, of redemption, and of bringing us home. And every time they would do that, that, that whole theme of His mighty acts and His works on our behalf. And uh, this Psalm 136, though it talks about the acts of God, however, in its first verse, takes us deeper than his beneficial acts for us. And I'd like for you to see that, that it's not rooted in what God has done. In fact, the first line of Psalm 136 uh, is is a common first line in the Psalms. Uh, Most noted are Psalm 107, Psalm 118, and Psalm 136. Same first line, they all root our giving thanks to God in the goodness of God Himself and not in what He has done. It's very significant. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Now this really makes a lot of difference. Uh, If you move behind the blessings back to God Himself, it it makes a lot of difference because what it does is is it takes us out of sitting in judgment upon God and how good God is. We as finite people and we as selfish people are unable to accurately measure the real goodness of God in our lives and in the world. But Psalm 136, showing that He is, He acts in history and He's good and He's a God of creation and of redemption and, and bringing us home, the thing we can know and the thing we can measure is this. We know that God is good. We can measure it simply in the fact that He is infinitely good. How about that for a measurement? He is good and we can give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances because He is good. And we can trust in what He does and what He allows because of who He is. That's profound, isn't it? That is comforting to me. The original Anglo-Saxon word for God in English, in the Old English, you know what the word for God means? Good. God. 
good. <laughs> it means God. The, the Anglo, the Saxon word for God means the good. Let me ask you a question. When you think of God, do you think of God as the good? The summum bonum. The, the sum of all good is what the old theologians called God. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. He is the God of goodness in and of Himself. Charles Spurgeon challenges us, the great British preacher of a couple of centuries ago. We must never tolerate, he says, for an instant, unbelief as to the goodness of the Lord. Whatever else might be questioned. This is absolutely certain that Yahweh is good. His ways of dealing with us may vary, but His nature is always the same. I love that. His ways of dealing with us may vary, and there may be some Thanksgiving days that you say, boy, this has been a great year, and there may be some you say, boy, this has been a hard year. But God is good. The overarching sense of God's goodness remains because this is His holy character, to be a God who is good. In fact, God is the only good. As Jesus said to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, Good teacher, there's no one good but God, he said. A.W. Pink, in his book on the attributes of God, said the creature's good is but a drop, but in God there is an infinite ocean of goodness. This is the starting point of thanksgiving. This is the starting point of our gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord because He is good. He is good. That's why He does good. See, God's not good because of what He does. He does what He does because He's good. We don't have the ability to measure God's goodness. And so, you see, this is why what He does is good and what is good is only from Him. The old theologians not only called Him the good, the Puritans in particular called Him, you ready for this? The fountain of all goodness. Don't you love that? If there's any goodness that you see in the universe, it originated in the goodness of God. When you see crops, that's the goodness of God. When you see things that are pleasant and helpful, that's the goodness of God. And I don't mean just for Christians. I mean in all of creation, He is the fountain of all goodness. Psalm 119.68 You are good, and what you do is good. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who never changes, nor does He shift like shadows. J.I. Packer put it this way. He said, every meal. Now, this sounds like Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Every meal. Every pleasure. 
everything we have, every possession, every bit of sun, every night's sleep, every moment of health, and every moment of safety, everything else that sustains and enriches life is a gift of God. And how abundant His gifts are to us. Now that's starting to sound like Thanksgiving right there. And it is. But it is rooted in the goodness of God. Give thanks. Thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. For He is good. Now, I said that Thanksgiving, the way we tell it, is often historically incomplete. And sure enough, it is. In fact, I would challenge you, I don't know if you, have, if you, particularly those of you with children in your home, I don't know if you retell kind of some of our heritage and history. These, these are the Puritans, you know, the pilgrims, the Puritans. These are our direct forebears. I mean, talking about Highlands Presbyterian Church, our theology. Um, these are our forebears. I don't know if you retell the story, but if you retell the story this year, would you please add what I'm about to tell you to the story? Then you'll get it uh, more complete. So, here's what happened. They could not worship freely in England. They went to Holland. They left from Holland, and they came over on a ship called the Mayflower. Okay, just, just testing. Make, if you're going to tell the story, just want to make sure you got some details. On the Mayflower... They landed and they, they made a document called the Mayflower Compact. It was like one of the you know, forerunners of, of real democratic government and rooted in, in the scriptures, etc. Um, they got on shore. They landed in winter. They kind of bypassed Cape Cod. They were heading to Virginia and got blown really off course. Um, another little factoid about Thanksgiving. Uh, they skirted around Cape Cod, and they landed in a, in a more tranquil harbor, and it's called what? Plymouth, right? Okay, very good. You didn't say it, but I'm still giving you credit. So they landed at Plymouth, and they landed in the winter, and half of them died. See, that's the part we don't tell. Half of them died. Meaning there wasn't a family that wasn't affected by death. Yes, the Indians helped them and God uh, was gracious in that way and they learned to plant corn. And it is the second winter that God is bringing them through. But I'm going to tell you something about the second win winter. As they are celebrating what we call Thanksgiving, they set aside three days, invited the Indians... To give thanks to God, uh, there was feasting, there was sports, uh, lots of different things. It was three days. You employers might want to consider that. Um, but massive death was still thick in the air. If half of your family died from starvation, exposure, or scurvy, what kind of a Thanksgiving would that be for you? You see, that's what we don't tell. So, oh, God gave us food. Oh, corn coffee. Oh, by the way, I love corn and coffee. Oh, you know, God is so good. Oh, we're Americans and God loves us more than all the other nations. We have more and we have plenty and we are prosperous. And oh, 
oh, this is what it's all about to be an American. No. Death is in the air. And I dare say that some people would not have celebrated Thanksgiving, losing half their family members. That's what we don't tell. So is God good or not? They said he was good. They thanked him for his goodness. It it, it really underscores the sense of trust in the one who creates, in the one who redeems us, in the one who's going to take us home eternally. And God is going to keep his promises all the way through. It gives them, it gives us a sense of the level of trust in Christ that these people really had. Do you believe that God is good no matter what the circumstances are of this Thanksgiving? Do you? Or are you the judge? In other words, is God good because of what he does and you decide? Or is God good? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. You see, God didn't like a Southeastern Conference football coach. He doesn't owe us the life equivalent of a bowl game every year. Or we fire him. Now, I'll tell you what God is more like than a Southeastern Conference football coach. God is more like a savior and a king than a Southeastern Conference football coach. And that leads us to the last part of this wonderful verse that sets apart all these mighty acts of God, all this provision for which they thank God in Psalm 136. No, He is King of the universe. And He is the one who created, who redeems, and takes us home. So here is, here is the whole verse. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good for His steadfast love endures forever. 26 stanzas in Psalm 136. 26 times is repeated this phrase. His steadfast love endures forever. Do you know why? Because His steadfast love endures forever. Because even if you're in bondage in Egypt, even if you have to fight the Canaanites, because he is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and we can trust him, and he loves his people, and he is good, and he has demonstrated his goodness, and he has made covenant with us, and he has shown forth that covenant ultimately in sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to be the Lamb of God, to seal in his own blood our acceptance forever. He is creator, he is redeemer, and he's going to take us home. That's what we're thankful for. Regardless of what's going on. Give thanks to the Lord 26 times. Or, uh, for his steadfast love endures forever. We used it in the call to worship. His steadfast love endures forever. Here's the New Testament version of this, one of them. It's Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him 
graciously give us all things. Do you catch that? He's going to give us all things, but it's rooted in His faithfulness of giving His Son. It's rooted in a promise that is made, a promise that is kept, a promise that is not temporal, a promise that is eternal, and the fact that we will never have a moment where we are outside of His love and His care and His providence and nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not death, not life, nothing. It's beautiful. Can you believe, are you able to believe in your life that the steadfast love of God has got you, even in difficulty? You believe that? There are people in this world that love Jesus who have a lot more challenging Thanksgivings than we do. Three weeks ago, three Sundays ago, to be precise, in North Korea, 80 Christians, 80, in different places, were executed by the North Korean government for possessing Bibles and not disowning Jesus Christ. And not only were 80 Christians killed, but hundreds of Christians were made to watch them be machine gunned down. I read to you from a London news report, several large-scale public executions of around 80 people total have taken place in North Korea. This is from three weeks ago. According to a South Korean newspaper, in one report, women and children were herded into a sports arena and forced to watch people shot to death by machine gun fire. The executions took place on Sunday, November 3rd. That's three weeks ago. And they picked a Sunday, the Lord's Day, to do it. Their crime, they were caught possessing Bibles and refusing to disown their Christian faith. So lots of North Korean children lost their daddies and mommies that day. So is God good? Is God still good? And they are not in a country where food is in abundance, because of the regime. And a cornucopia is a distant figure, an imagination. So is there Thanksgiving in North Korea among Christians? Not, not, I don't mean the American version of it. Is there Thanksgiving, though, gratitude? The stunning answer to that question is yes. And, and what is amazing, actually, is as, as you learn about people undergoing persecution and deprivation for their faith, is their thanksgivings tend to be all the more intense. That is true of our brothers and sisters in places like Saudi Arabia this morning, in Egypt. Some of the stories in the churches of Egypt are amazing about the uprising of the Spirit of God and the joy of people who have gone through it. They believe that God is good. They believe that the promise has been kept in Jesus Christ. They believe that God's steadfast love 
endures forever. Kind of like people on those shores in our country all those years ago who lost half of everybody that came said yes we thank you God for your goodness and then there's us <laughs> not trying to make you feel bad it's just true isn't it then there's us and our gratitude to God the question I would only end with is, is, is our gratitude going to start and end with our stuff and our health and our prosperity? Is this going to be more about being the shining city on the hill, being Americans and being the most favored people in the world? Which I'm glad to be an American. I'm not trying to be anti-American up here. You get my meaning, right? Because that's not what it's about, finally. Or will it be for God, who is the supreme good and whose steadfast love endures forever? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, would you lift our eyes to you? Would you convince us yet again of the truth that you are good? Would you cause us to surrender our upsets, our negative feelings about being deprived of something, Lord, even if it is a legitimate deprivation that we, we should ask for you to fill. And yet, would you help us in this moment to give thanks to you because you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you are our creator. You are our redeemer through Jesus. And that you will take us home. And that you will be with us. And as we walk with you, provide for us, according to your goodness, every moment of this life with you. And we thank you for this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.